0: Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, <clears throat> I want to discuss a, a topic of uh, what I think is a great great importance um, in terms of our uh, uh, spiritual health and, and balance and, and well being. Um, and it's the the issue of um, strictness in observance. And it's um, this is a very I, I think a very challenging uh, issue. And um, kind of, it's a it's a bit of a minefield um, because because there it, it's coming from often a place of uh, of, of of yira of, of awe that 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 causes someone to want to um, adhere very very strictly, and often it's coming from a place of love, and there are all sorts of um, positive uh, reinforcements that you receive if you, um, if you adhere strictly. You are seen as a very pious person. Um, oftentimes, you'll garner the respect of, of others and in the, in the, in the community. You'll be looked to, so, so there's a, a sense of importance that, that also comes from, from a, adhering uh, strictly. Uh, but there are all sorts of pitfalls and dangers. And the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, um, uses, <clears throat> uses this shroud of, 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 uh, of strictness to cloak and disguise itself and worm its way into people's observance, into people's hearts and souls in a very toxic way. And, and this is a very big subject because... On the one hand, there, 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 there are divine expectations of us, and, and so there is a calling and there is a path for us to walk down. So, so that means that, that there is what to adhere to. On the other hand, though, it's a bit of a minefield, because in, in dedicating oneself to to walking in this way, to sort of being in harmony with the universe, with one's own soul, with, with this divine flow, with this path, with what we call halacha, which means the way. That means the way. It's, a, it's got very, a lot of Eastern uh, connotations to it. You know, halacha is, is, is um, translated as Jewish law, which I think is, does a great disservice to that, to that term, because it really means the way or the path which has a, a sense of flow to it and harmony which is which is appropriate and which is proper. So 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 this is a very very big subject and and so it, it's worthy of of being approached from multiple different sides. So I, I want to just try to do an, an, an overview of this and then get into this problem. And I, I want to just alert you to the fact that that, that there's sort of a, kind of a, a reason why I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this up because I, I've talked with a, a few people recently where I've really seen, uh, they've, they've opened their hearts to me, thank God, and, and I've really seen the destructive impact of, of, of strictness when it's misapplied. Um, and, and there are two paradigms that I, I'd like to, bless you, to reference. One is strictness, which I'm, I'm attributing a, a negative quality to. But the flip side of strictness, um, which is a very beautiful, exalted uh, meta attribute, is what's called dveikis, or dvecus kite. That means cleaving to God. And cleaving to God is the, is the ideal. And I'm going to be contrasting these two concepts, strictness versus um, kite. And And they have similarities to them, but they also have polar opposites to them. And we'll develop these ideas, and it will become clear over our time together. But maybe we should start with, um, with a, with a Gomorrah. Uh, and this is in Gomorrah Yuma on uh, Dath uh, Ayin uh, uh Amid Bays, 72b. And this is a classic Gomorrah that, that I'm sure many of you are familiar with. And it says the following. It says, uh, Rava said, that um, where one uses the Torah properly... In, in, the, in the proper way, it is a drug of life, meaning that it's something that can just grant you an expansiveness of, of uh, comprehension. It, it can bring joy to your heart. It can bring meaning to your life. It can clarify all sorts of um, conundrums and paradoxes in existence. It can allow you to fulfill that which God created the world and created you to do. So in this sense, the Torah, Rava, is saying it's a drug of life if it's done properly. And then he continues, if one uses it unskillfully, if one uses it improperly, it is a drug of death. A drug of death. Meaning to say that now this, this in itself might be a sort of a revelation for some people. They might think, well, wait a second, I don't get it. Like, Shouldn't the Torah be absolutely uniformly good no matter how I slice it, right? No matter how I apply it. It should be the essence of good and all good. And, and, and yet, here we're hearing that if it's done inappropriately, it can actually be a samavis, a drug of death. So, so what does that mean exactly? Well, again, we have to keep all of these ideas in perspective. God looked into the Torah and created the entire world. It says in, in Gomorrah Nida that when a child is born, and this applies to every single one of us, each one of us swears, uses the word swears, takes an oath to keep the Torah. Every single one of us, the moment we were born, swore to be righteous. So, so in other words, all these mitzvahs are incumbent upon us. So in that sense, yes, it's, it's, it's all good and everything like that, but now how are you doing it? right? How are you doing it? So you can have, I don't know, this is a bizarre example, but it flashed in my mind. You can take penicillin, what's better than penicillin, and then take the pills and stuff them in your ear and cause deafness, right? I mean, that's like, well, how is taking penicillin ever going to be bad? It kills infections. Well, if you don't do it the right way, then then it's going to be weird, okay? So So there's There's an ideal. What what are we striving toward? We're striving toward a connection with God. This whole whole world, our whole lives, all of history is a love affair between God and his creation. Remember, there are many, many paradigms to explain God's relationship with, with human beings. One of them is master and servant. One of them is King and subject. One of them is parent and child. But remember, the one that's called the Holy of Holies by Rabbi Akiva comes from the Song of Songs, and that's two lovers, right? That's the ultimate kind of construct that describes how we're supposed to be with God. Remember, the Rambam, who's the ultimate rationalist in Jewish thought, like the, the thinker as opposed to the emotional one, the thinker. The thinker, the all-time greatest thinker, quote-unquote, in, in Torah, says that one has to walk around lovesick over God. That's the one who's not the emotional one, okay? He says one must be lovesick over God. So that means one's heart is just yearning to connect with God. Now, now remember, what... What the Kutzker Rebbe says, and, and, and this is, now we're going to get a little bit more into strictness. What I'm talking about right now, all of that, this whole idea of the construct of, of the Song of, of Songs, Shir Shirim, this, this construct of, of lovers, this is all falling under the, the, the category of kite. That's, that's called cleaving, right? Attaching yourself, like you, you don't want to let go, you don't want to let go, you're, you're in this, in this loving embrace with God and he's in this loving embrace with you and you, you don't want to break that. And that that's ideally one's consciousness moving through life. Okay. Now when one is in a state like that, one wants to be very, very careful not to damage the relationship at all. And this is called the highest level of Yira, Yira el Yon, which is described as one, imagine someone is in this amazing palace, the king's palace, and they're absolutely overwhelmed by the majesty of it. And you don't want to disturb anything. You don't want to track muddy footprints into the king's palace. You don't want to break any of the incredibly elaborate, beautiful porcelain vases that are all around. right? So you want to be very, very careful. So that's the idea. This is the positive version of quote-unquote strictness, which we're not applying to this paradigm at all. We're calling it divacus, kite, cleaving. So, so that causes one to be very careful in their observance. If Shabbos starts at a particular time, if it starts at 7:42, you don't want to go ah 8:15 close enough, you know? Then ah, close enough. You you don't want to have that attitude because you want to make sure that you're you're on time, right? Because You've got an appointment with God. Don't you want to be on time? I, 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 Yes, very much so. So in other words, this concept, this construct of cleaving leads to its own increased levels of observance. But it's coming from this place of love and and awe. Okay, this is proper. This is properly directed observance. And this is very, very important because this is not... This is not explained enough to people, and not, it's, I I talked with a, the the head of a a Jewish school, and I told him that my, my, my sense was, in terms of the education that the kids were receiving, which on some level was a fine education, and on another level seemed to be extremely problematic, because what I compared it to is, I said, you know, it's like, the kids are learning the rules to baseball all day, and, but they're not playing any baseball. You know? So in other words, you, the whole point is to apply this to a divine relationship, to be in a relationship with God. And he said something to me, which to this day just shatters my brains. He said, I don't know that that's the school's responsibility to teach. And I think I said to him, I think that's the only responsibility that the school has to teach. So this is, this is a, this is what it is, basically. This is, this is just, this is square one. This is what people should be hearing the first time they show up to to any Torah uh, class or discussion at all. This is, this is square one. Now let me tell you where it all goes wrong, because this is really what I wanted to concentrate on more, but I didn't want to give you all the sort of, strictness bashing before I gave you the model that we're supposed to strive for first so that you have that squarely in your mind. Now let me tell you the misapplication of these things. okay? And that falls under this term that I want to call strictness. And, and this is when the Torah can be used as Rava says in, in Gomorrah Yuma as we learned as mavis. a a a a potion or a a drug which induces death. And what is that death specifically? That death is depression. Because and and, but it comes in many forms. It's not just depression. It's also obsessive compulsiveness. It's also um it's also a a form of um uh, arrogance and 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 uh, superiority uh, where someone feels because they've had the the amazing hormone-based ability to grow a beard that somehow they can rule over you. You know, it's like, really? Re- you know what? I also can grow a beard. I, you know, it's like, based on that, you you somehow are my leader? Really? You know? It, so it, it's, you see, the, the external aspects of, of, "Quote unquote religiosity" are the easiest things to put on, you know. I mean, it's it's you know I, I, this can be a, a whole subject in itself, but let's, let's just try to stay on point here. So, so what happens is, and 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 now I want to say something very pointed, which is which is. One has to be careful when they're drawn to Torah. With with all of its, on, on the one hand, it's a very simple construct. God is one. He's revealed his will. We are his children. We walk down that path. There could be nothing simpler than that. And that's what it all boils down to. There is a God. He's with us. He loves us. He's revealed his will. We're here to follow. That's it. That's what it all boils down to. And Rabbi Nachman of Breslov says that, that one must serve God with simplicity. Okay? And, and without sophistication. You know, I'll tell you something, just on a personal level. There, there was a big turning point in my life. I... I uh, you know, I, I growing up, I, I was sort of very intrigued by high society, and, and uh, I grew up in the Northeast. So, the Northeast has its own version of high society, which is, you know, a lot of it is called kind of like is, is associated with WASP um, culture and and these old sort of aristocratic New England families. That's 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 a certain version of it. You have different versions of elitism all over the country, but in the Northeast, it takes the the um this uh, this uh, uh, patina of of of, of mayflower uh, families and and uh, things like this, you know you know great universities that have large buildings that are named after people who are your classmates whose, whose, whose families have gone there for sometimes a few hundred years i mean I, I knew people like this they are pretty amazing and and it just seems to be so amazing, so exalted, you know, so fairy tale. you know, one of the, one of the, just the great things about advertising, I mean, you gotta, this is, should, in me, it induces a sort of like love-hate reaction, is um, Ralph Lauren Polo, you know, that brand is like so, I mean, it's so fully and beautifully executed, you know, you have like the wood, dark wood paneled rooms with rich carpets and libraries and you know, great-looking people, you know, with square jaws, wearing beautiful clothes, and they're, they're all beautiful, and they all have horses, and they all, like, you know, the tea is hot, and it's coming out there, and they have time to sip the tea in the afternoon, and it's so great. And then somehow it's like if I wear just a polo shirt, a simple polo shirt but that has that symbol on it, somehow I have, somehow I'm that. I'm wearing, like, a crummy polo shirt, right? But because it's got a few stitches in this direction and that direction, somehow I'm off to play polo, right? What? Yeah, but that's how advertising works, because you know, you when you get that brand, you're buying into that vision and that dream and that identity, and you're communicating to others that that's what I am, you know? And then I realized sophistication was a lot of hooey, <laughs> I realize this is all garbage. It's all garbage. Basically, that that it's sort of like if you if you want you see, in some level, it's coming from a a, a, a this utopian place within us and this idyllic, I, idealistic place within us where and and also I'm going to add another word: this ambitious place within us. and And it seems to me that if if you want to be ambitious truly ambitious right don't just take over your company don't just take over your community how about the universe as your canvas right what about the universe what about the perfection of all of history how's that for ambition that's real ambition it's like you know a blue blazer with brass buttons is only going to get me so far into the next world. You know what I'm saying? It's like I live a certain number of years and then I continue to live forever. I'm a little bit more concerned about eternity, right? Like that's real ambition. That's real ambition. Not like, oh, your tie is so nice. I want to be your friend so much. (laughs) That nod is so... Triangular and and the the way the rep pattern it just goes like this way and then it switches sharply that way it's so good, you know it's like all right mazel tov. what about eternity? You know so it's so 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 sophistication has its allures and its seductions, but ultimately speaking it's all garbage. It's all garbage, and Rebbe Nachman was a very Big proponent of this. And he said, serve God simply. There's a God. He has a will. We have to follow it. It's all you have to know. It's all you have to know. However, however, there's this very sort of ironic truth, which we have to address next, which is simple is really hard. <laughs> simple is hard. And I can tell you something that, you know, even, um, you know, if you've uh, read any of the interviews with, um, I've forgotten his name, but he's the chief uh, uh, product designer at Apple. Uh, uh, What's that? Oh, the product designer? Yeah. And he's, you know, like number two in the company right now. He's amazing kind of visionary and uh, someone from the UK. And you, you, you see how hard Simple is. And I can tell you in terms of like developing ideas for stories, movies, concepts, series, things like this. To be able to express it in one sentence is really hard. It's really hard to make something simple. Really hard. So all the more so when it comes to serving God with simplicity. Because we have so many different desires. And we have so many different questions. And everything like that. That it's simple is hard. Okay, and so we get confused, we get confused, and, and a lot of the time we, uh, we look for quick fixes because first and foremost, so many people aren't even aware that there's this relationship with God himself to strive for and that that's the, the paradigm that is the ultimate construct it's just you and god that's it you know when you when you say shema on a very deep level you close your eyes you take your right hand you cover your your eyes your face whatever it is and the idea is you say god because when you say shema you're declaring that that the oneness of god what you what you what you should have in mind is in addition to some other things is that all that exists is you, God. In other words, you're shutting your eyes, you're, 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 you're blocking out all these superficial levels of reality, all these levels, all these things that the senses cleave onto and attach themselves to, like flypaper, right? You're just closing your eyes, and you're just saying, God, it's all you, and it's only you, that you're the only thing that exists. And every one, every other person in this world and every situation that I'm ever in is just an opportunity that you're presenting to me to connect with you. That's it. That's all of our lives. And that's, that's, the, ultimate, that's the ultimate simplicity. Okay. Now, when one isn't aware of this, what one thinks is, okay, my primary relationship is with the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch is the code of Jewish law. And so you've got a lot, a very large population of quote unquote religious Jews, observant Jews, observant people, right? A very large population. And their primary connection with the divine is through this rule book. Now, again, we need. Halakha, we need this flow, we need this path. This is part of the fabric of the universe. This is part of the truth of our existence. But that is a vehicle for serving God. So let me put it another way, because this is a very primary point, and, and we have to go into more depth in this. So again, I had mentioned the Kutzke Rebbe, but I didn't tell you the teaching. The Kutzke Rebbe says that it's possible to turn mitzvahs into a vodah into idol worship. And you think, how is that possible at all? Like, mitzvahs are the opposite of idol worship. How can mitzvahs become idol worship? And so what he says is is that if one's entire focus is just on the mitzvah, then essentially you're serving the mitzvah, you're not serving God. In other words, if I'm holding a a piece of matzah on Pesach, and I'm essentially praying to the matzah, then what is that? Right. So, in other words, every and mitzvah you should know the word mitzvah it means a divine connection, or as Reb Shlomo translates it, a divine pathway. That these are all pathways that God reveals to us for us to connect with Him through. So, one has to have in mind when they give tzedakah, when they give charity, when they when they eat kosher, when they do any of a million of different ways of serving God that their primary relationship is with God, they're in this state of cleaving, and that this observance is a vehicle to attach themselves to God. Okay? Because, what, because the alternative, and the alternative is something that happens all of the time, the alternative is that one is just focused on the act itself and isn't in a relationship with God. They're in a relationship with the mitzvah. And then after a while, observance becomes a very alienating experience because you're like, I'm doing all of these things and I don't know why I'm doing them and I don't feel like I'm in a relationship at all. You know, I. so so there are two different models. One's primary connection being God and primary focus being God or one's primary focus being the code of Jewish law. And again, this isn't to uh, minimize the importance of keeping these things. That, that, that goes, I hope, without saying but it can't be where one's primary emotional and intellectual focus is based on. It's a vehicle for serving God. It is the vehicle, but it's a vehicle. It's the vehicle for serving God. Okay, so now let's go more into the dangers of strictness. Because you see, there are people who who have certain sometimes psychological issues and they see Torah as a beautiful, wonderful place and, and they're drawn to it, but sometimes they bring their psychological baggage with them into Torah. So if someone has obsessive compulsive tendencies, then Torah is like... Really, an interesting place for them to arrive because you talk about. Have you have you um, ever heard the uh, the 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 expression uh, in in drug addiction called someone who is an enabler? Right, an enabler is someone who is sort of like you're my good friend, and I love spending time with you. And um, I know you like to drink, so let's have some drinks together. And then in the back of my mind, I also know you're an alcoholic, but you know what? I love your company and, you know, drinks are on me. Well, it's not great to be an enabler. It's not great to be an enabler. Okay? And there are all sorts of different versions of enablers. And sometimes people who are obsessive compulsive find the greatest enabler in the code of Jewish law. Because, wow, what could be greater than something that's going to tell me what to do every second of my life? I love this, you know? And then later on, they, of course, drive themselves into fits of madness, you know? So so this is, this is an issue that someone has to have insight into themselves. And they have to understand, like, wh- what are they doing exactly? What kind of relationship are they entering into? So... So again, they are divine expectations, but, but one has to approach this with Sechel. This is why it's so absolutely important for, for God to, for, for, for a person to have a Rebbe, to have a guide. And I was talking with a, a, a rabbi, and, and he was telling me that in the yeshiva that he went to in Jerusalem, which was, you know, like, uh, it was Orsameach where he said, which is, a lot of people start beginning learning Torah there, you know, there's a big Balchuva Tshuva um, wing to that yeshiva, and he said that the rabbis would walk around and w- come up to someone and say, cut off your payas. Like, you're, you're growing payas? You, you're not ready to have any payas yet. You know, mm-hmm. Cut it off. You, what's that with the black hat? Get rid of that black hat. You know, you, what are you doing with that? Like, you're not ready for that. So there are, there are times when all of these things are really appropriate. But there has to be a serious foundation for, for these type of things first. Because otherwise, they say it's like, it's like a, a tree without roots. If a strong wind comes, then it blows the whole thing over. And, and there's this tendency, especially among people who, who don't have a guide, that they, they let their outside appearance become the full um, repository of their enthusiasm, meaning to say that they'll take on all sorts of garb and everything like that, but the stuff that comes on the outside is the easiest stuff to get rid of. The real battleground is, is your inside. You have to work on your inside, and you hold off on your outside. In fact... My Rebbe, Reb Shlomo Karlovach, used to say all of the time in the name of all the rebbies that you're supposed to hide your observance. You're supposed to hide it. If you're, if you're doing like really special things, keep it secret. It should be a secret between you and God, he would say all the time. And that's a very, very holy idea. Because if you've got secrets with God, and I'm talking about good secrets right now, like, you know something? I... I know this person's in in need and, you know, I slipped something under his door in the middle of the night, an envelope with some money in it and I know for sure he didn't see me. (laughs) You You know, and I'm not telling anyone. This is just a secret between me and God. Now you've got so much closeness between you and God. And you're developing this relationship, this love relationship. And it's the opposite. It's not like, oh, look at me. I've got now, now I've got this X on the outside, you know? But now look on the inside, I've got this thing. And that's how a person builds themselves up and strengthens themselves in a really wonderful way. And then it's not if you, you know, if you want to take on some of these other things, and you ask someone or whatever it is. I tell you something very interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, a, a, uh, a teacher of mine uh, uh, many years ago in Jerusalem he told me the following, and you see, um, uh, back in the day, going back, you know, a hundred or more years, it was um, normal for for Jews to wear what they would call a long coat. This this whole idea of a like a blazer, a jacket that ends at your pocket for men, this is a this is kind of a newfangled type of dressing, okay, and it was rejected as too modern. By um, by 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 Torah Jews by the Torah community. Like if you were wearing a short jacket, that's like you know you obviously have just assimilated. Okay, so now it's become pretty normal to wear wear that. But you still see in many many communities, especially very religious communities, people wear uh, a long coat to to this day. You you still see it. A bekisher, it's called kapota. Things like this. It goes by different names. Okay. So, so it is, especially in Jerusalem, it's the sign of someone being a, a, a Torah scholar, a Tamud chachem, which is like a very rarefied term, to wear a long coat. Like if you reach that status, you know, even today in Jerusalem, it's appropriate for you to wear a long coat. So this person was someone who has, it was teaching up a storm and, and inspiring like tons of people, like a whole generation of people. Bless you. And... And he, you know, wasn't, didn't grow up observant, but he was sort of like blazing on the scene and doing fantastically. And so he wore a short coat, and he thought to himself, maybe, maybe it's appropriate for me to start wearing a long coat. Right? Which, is, which was appropriate for him to ask that question, because he really was reaching that stature, and that was, you know, proper etiquette in in, in those circles. So... He went up to a Rav and he said, Should I start wearing a long coat? And the Rav gave him some very interesting advice. He said, If you're even, and he said, Well, why? Why are you asking? And he said, Well, because I don't know, perhaps I've, I'm attaining this level or this stature or I'm being looked at in this way or however he phrased it, you know, he just didn't know, maybe, or, you know, who am I really to wear a long coat? Because have I really reached this exalted sort of stature? That's why he was asking. So, so the Rav said back to him, if you're even wondering if you should do it, and if you're even wondering if you're worthy or not, he says, do it now. And the reason why you should do it now is because if you get to the point where you actually think you deserve it and you're worthy of it, it's just going to be a sign of arrogance. While you think that you're not worthy of it, now is the time to actually take it on. You see? so But but you have to apply this in, in the proper context. This person had already become a very significant teacher. This isn't someone who, like, in other words... This would be a misapplication of what I just told you. If someone said, well, now I know absolutely nothing. Now for sure I should wear a long coat. No, now for sure you should not wear a long coat. Because you're not even in the realm of asking yourself of such a question, you know? So, so anyway, that's, that's, that's a, 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 a beautiful way. So just to, just to recap this, this, this point, the main battleground has to be on the inside. And and this notion of actually hiding your level is 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 considered a more exalted form of heavenly service. And if it even gets to the point of publicly exhibiting it at all, you should be in in in, in touch with with a a, a teacher who, who knows you and who knows where you're holding and who has a broader perspective and has seen many people go through this process. Okay. So now, I want to uh, I want to go more into this idea of depression. You see, the idea is like this: the Eitzahara, the evil inclination. <laughs> bless him is an angel. It's actually an angel. It's, it's not part of us. Which, which means that it never gets tired. It never runs out of new ideas to trip us up. It knows us better than we know ourselves. It is always thinking of brand new strategies to break down our defenses. So one has to first realize that they are outmatched by their Yetzirah. Anyone who thinks that they've got their Sahara in check and they're in control of their Sahara is fooling themselves. They're absolutely fooling themselves. The Sahara is an angel, and it works for God. And by the way, something very important, the Sahara wants you to say no to it. In other words, there's a teaching that says that if you're tempted to do whatever it is, fill in the blank, and you say yes to that to that temptation. It says that the sutton rips its clothes and cries, if you, say, if you say yes to it, if you say yes to it. If you say no to it, it jumps up and dances. And that makes perfect sense, because the Yetzar works for God. It's a dirty job, but it works for God, right? Because if you say it doesn't work for God, and it wants you to go against God, then you're positing two powers. There's God and the devil. Well, guess what? That's not Judaism. (laughs) That's that's many other religions, but Judaism isn't on the list of that. There is only God. God is the only one that exists. He controls the Yetzirah. And he does it just for, well, that's a whole discussion in itself, but basically just to test us so that he gets the greater goodness out of us. Right, Because if it lies dormant inside, inside of us, it doesn't transform the world much. If we're able to overcome a challenge and bring this great potential that's just inside of us out into the world in a beautiful way, it transforms the entire world. So this is one of the tools of the redemption, basically, of just elevating ourselves and the entire world. Okay? That's, that's the divine aspect to it. Now, the Yitzhakara says, okay, I've got a sucker here. Here's what I'm going (laughs) to, he means well, (laughs) she means well. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get them to be really strict, really, really strict. And then I know exactly what's going to happen. They're not going to be able to keep up this very, very strict level. You know, because they haven't got a sufficient foundation, bless you. And then what they're going to do is they're going to become depressed. And then they're going to give up the entire thing. And so this is my strategy. And Rebbe Nachman actually says something really interesting here. He says that, it says in the Torah, this is in Vayikra, Leviticus 18.14, keep my decrees and laws, this is God speaking, keep my decrees and laws, for if a person does them, they shall live by them. So in other words, the, the, the mitzvahs are going to give you this spirit of life. All right? And there's actually a lot of Torah commentary on this one uh, passage here. But Rabbi Nachman is focusing in on this idea that, that there's a life-giving expansiveness and joy that comes from keeping the mitzvahs. And that's what it means that God says, live by them and do not die by them. Okay, that's what the passage says. Now, Rebbe Nachman continues. This is his commentary on those words. A person who is overly strict does not have any life at all. He is always depressed and worried that he's not fulfilling his obligation properly. As a result of his stringency and its accompanying depression, he does not have any life from his observance. So, So the Baal Shem Tov says the following thing. He says that God searches out your heart, and God knows how much you want to do something. Now, now I want to get deeper into the um, the very wonderful but completely incorrect argument that the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination, gives to us, which is so persuasive. Okay? Yeah? I know that we all want to listen to the rest yeah. of this, but I, I, just in case yeah. you lost track of it, um, it's 1035, right? Oh. You were 1035. oh, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, I, yeah. Okay, so maybe I'll try to... Aha, uh-huh. yeah, okay. Um, well, there's so much more to say. Um but maybe we 'll say this is the end of part one, and maybe we 'll do uh part two um next week on the question of are you being too strict <laughs> and 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 some of the the dangers of this and and some of the um arguments that the the Yitzhara, the Yitzhara comes to us with and i 'll just tell you just as a preview one of the things that I want to get into is this idea of. Black and white. People who are truth seekers say, well, listen, it's either true or it's not true. Okay, so that's, that is true on some level because there is a concept of truth. So how do, you, how do you do that? Or you either did the mitzvah or you didn't do the mitzvah. Seems very black and white. So we have to address this and, and how to understand that. And then also another question, which is one of the main ways the Yetzirah comes to us is with this idea, it does this judo flip on our sincerity and it manifests itself in the form of all or nothing. Right? It's either got to be all or nothing, which is another great trick of the Yetzirah. So these are these are some of the... Topics that, that, that we'll we'll continue to God willing explore and cover. Okay. Have a great weekend.